Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Week 8 Preview Edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. The chill winds of autumn are blowing. The NFL season is about, the regular season is about halfway over. Fantasy football season is more than halfway over. And we're rolling up on that most lovely time of year, the first of two straight 16 bye weeks. My esteemed co-host, Brian Black, what sucks more, 16 bye weeks, Thursday night football, or London games? I'm going to go ahead and eliminate Thursday night football because the uh, some of the some of the ones this year have been pretty daggone good. But uh, London games really suck. But six, uh, I got to go to six game bye weeks. You know, trying to construct a lineup through that. I'm trying to help people through it makes it life really tough but as we alluded to uh we talked about before the show it's these daggone london games so i guess they're the culprit so maybe they're the number one most annoying thing no and there's going to be a great one this week we're exposing the fine people of the united kingdom to the blank show that is the cleveland Browns. so that should really help grow the nfl overseas yeah, Sean Cleveland, awesome guys. People are going to be walking out halfway through the first quarter, like, "Oh my God, this is horrible! Why are we watching this?" You never know, man. I mean, they can surprise Minnesota. I mean, well, probably, but even Minnesota's not that exciting to me. I mean, you got Case Keenum for heaven's sakes. Hey, Deshaun Kaiser back at starting quarterback for the Browns for at least you know the first five minutes of the first quarter, however long it takes you Jackson to decide to pull him again. But I'll, I'll probably have a nice little rant planned for when we preview the Browns and the Vikings because as a Browns fan I just about had it. First yeah, off, sure looks a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say I wonder who's going to actually come in this time. Is it going to be Kessler or is it going to be Hogan? Oh, I don't Maybe they should just get a guy out of the stands. I don't Let some British guy try a quarterback. Maybe, maybe that's <laughs> how we'll find our quarterback. <laughs> exactly. Speaking of quarterbacks, last week, the biggest injuries of the week were at the position. Carson Palmer, the Arizona Cardinals, broken arm out for at least eight weeks. So, moment of silence for Larry Fitzgerald's fantasy value. And Jay Cutler, busted ribs, cracked ribs, whatever. He's got an alley in his ribs. For the Miami Dolphins, which means Matt Moore under center in Miami, which may actually be a good thing. I don't see how he could be worse than Cutler. Why don't you break down the rest of the big injury news, Ryan? Yeah, there were a few. Um, C.J. Procise didn't even get to play. He ended up spraining his ankle, <clears throat> and he's out indefinitely. Delaney Walker has a sprained ankle and a bone bruise. He's on a bye, but if you have him, you need to monitor that. Mike Wallace uh, looks like he is practicing, but he had a concussion, but you need to keep an eye on that. A little under-the-radar one, Dan Bailey, the kicker for Dallas, 
groin, uh, he has a groin, groin strain, and it looks like I, they signed Mike Nugent, the uh, ex-Bengals kicker. So, I mean, that's definitely fantasy worthy. So, I, I'd recommend Nugent. I mean, Dallas is a good offense. Stephon Diggs hey, actually has a ch- What's up? I tell you what, though, watching their Jeff Keith, the Cowboys' strong safety, kicking extra points last weekend, that was kind of entertaining. I'm like looking at my IDP leagues to see if they have specific score for that. And I'm pretty sure the Deathmatch League that I run, anyone that started dead Jeff Heath and that, you would get credit for the extra points because I have it set up. It doesn't matter what position you play. Like if the safety takes the handoff, he gets credit for it. So. And that's the way it should be in every league. Jeff Heath should have got credit for that. Sorry to interrupt. Please continue. <laughs> no, it was awesome, and it is awesome. And I hope whoever had him got credit for whatever he did. And I wish they would have just kept him there. He didn't look too bad, but nah, Mike Nugent's probably better. But um, <laughs> Emmanuel Sanders still isn't cleared, so I doubt he practices this week. So you need to keep an eye on that. A big one, Mike Thomas did not practice today with a knee injury. So owners need to take a keen eye to that, and that wouldn't be good to miss him. Wow. Willie Sneed is – yeah, yeah. But Willie Sneed's practicing in full. He was a surprise and active, but who knows what he's going to do. Uh, ben Watson's calf may actually keep him out of the game. So he plays Thursday. If he's your tight end, you might want to look elsewhere. Golden Tate has a chance. I think he's doubtful. He was limited in practice today. Devontae Parker is officially questionable, but I think he's doubtful too, but we'll see. And the big one or the big uh, conversation, he's got his bike back, but he's still in the concussion protocol. That's Juju Smith-Schuster. He is practicing in full, but we'll see what happens. Um. Did you happen to see anything on Kenny Galladay? Because from what I was reading, it sounded like he would be back at practice this week for the Lions coming off the hamstring injury. And I figured with Golden Tate, I don't. If Tate plays Sunday, I'll be stunned. I kind of figured Galladay, granted, it's a terrible matchup because Pittsburgh is leading the NFL in pass defense, and I think they're dead last in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But, you know, Galladay had that great week one and then fell off the face of the earth in part because he got hurt. Could be in line for a big target jump if Tate says. Yeah, no, he was. Looks like he was limited today. He's officially questionable, but I mean, I call him the rookie version of Kevin Ogletree. Everyone raced to pick him up off the waiver wire. I don't remember when Kevin Ogletree's two touchdown explosion was for the Cowboys. It was like three or four years ago, I think. But yeah, it's it's. It's not looking too good. I mean, he might play, but like you alluded to, Pittsburgh's D is nothing to play with and coming off a fresh injury rookie. Eh, I don't know. Man, if Mike Thomas sits out, Ted Ginn, start him if you got him is all I can say. And if Baltimore, I mean, you're looking, you got Mike Wallace with the concussion, Jeremy Macklin banged up. I figured Watson would be in for a big target jump. Now, if he sits with a cat, who are they going to throw the ball to? Get Buck Allen in the lineup. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. He had 11 targets last week. Maybe he'll get 21 this one. Oh, that Ravens running game. What a – oh, that's just driving fantasy under crazy. All it don't matter which guy you pick. It's they're going to pick somebody else that week to handle the ball. And then you see – I saw 
uh, segment on, I think it was CBS Evening News yesterday, about Alex Collins and Irish dancing or something. I'm like, what? Just hit the hole, man. Give me some fancy points. I don't care what you do in your free time. <laughs> you're going to have to send me the link to that. I don't. I, I never saw it, but I'll probably get a kick out. Yeah, it was, you know, at the end of the newscast, they have a little human interest story. Although they called him a star running back, and I'm like, well, okay, now you might want to back it off a little bit. Obviously, this yeah, segment was brief, but someone that doesn't watch a ton of football. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Waiver wire this week. I'm trying to think of who the big pickups would be on the waiver wire this week. Before we mentioned Ted Ginn. Uh, if Muhammad Sanu was on your waiver wire, he'd be a guy I'd be looking at. Uh, at running back, probably the Oakland running, the Oakland tailbacks, DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. I would probably give the edge to Richard if you're in PPR. I might give the edge to Washington if you play in standard scoring because he's probably going to be the short yardage slash goal line guy, at least he was, against the Kansas City Chiefs. Either way, it's coin flip. I mean, if you pick up one, it's fifty-fifty shot that the other guy's going to have the bigger game, and you're going to be screaming at yourself for the entire week. But welcome to fantasy football. But uh, during bye week, hell, that's not so bad. I mean, you got to right. think. DeAndre Washington. I mean, they both look good all the time. I think, but Washington, I kind of give the slight edge to. I was looking at it, and he averages five yards per carry against a stacked box. And that ranks him fifth among all qualifying uh, running backs this year. Uh, I don't like really either much, but I, but like you said, I think standard. I think the goal line carries will go to Washington, and Richard will get more catches. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, man. Oh no, I'm. <laughs> it gives me a chance to try to take it to the waiver. Like I said, Sanu. Obviously, if he's available, he's a guy worth picking up. I think he had five or six catches against New England. And he's been getting a pretty steady five, six receptions a game. You know, he's not going to blow up PPR. But in PPR, he's going to be fairly steady. Just missed a touchdown catch. I think he had ten targets in that game. was only one or two behind Julio Jones. Yeah, Taylor Gabriel was on a melt carton at this point. It, it was weird because I looked at it, and uh, he was only two or three behind uh, Julio. And besides that, the next highest one was Three targets for Devonta Freeman. I was like, "What in the world?" I thought Hooper was gonna have a chance. That was a good game. That was a good spot for him to blow up at. But and then, of course, Steve Sarkeesian runs the what was that the end around sweep for, at the, yeah. the goal line to Taylor Gabriel, coach of the year. Yeah, that's their idea to get Taylor Gabriel involved in it. Don't try a deep shot. You know, get him behind the worst secondary in football. No, 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 no. Oh, that's Steve Sarkeesian. That's Steve Sarkeesian offense. is humming, let me tell you. And everyone gets, well, you have to give Sarkeesian a chance. And the, All I know is a year ago when Kyle Shanahan is running that offense, it is a finely tuned machine and one of the best offenses in the National Football League. Now, over their last three games, they're not even averaging 14 points a contest with the same Guys, last week was the first time this season that a quarterback has not thrown for 300-plus yards against the New England Patriots, and the quarterback who breaks the streak is not Josh McCown. It's the reigning NFL MVP. But, no, it's not the offensive coordinator. 
Not at all. <laughs> nope, not him. Not whatsoever. <clears throat> you know, I don't – I would not be stunned if they go into New York this week and get beat by the Jets. I really wouldn't. The way they're playing right now, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and the Jets, credit where it's due. Now, granted, they blew a 14-point lead last week and lost to the Dolphins, but they're playing just about everyone close. They're staying in games. And, oh, my God, if Atlanta loses to the Jets, people are going to be freaking. Everyone, of course, predicted that at this point in the season, the New Orleans Saints would be by themselves in first place in the NFC South. Of course, the first place, let's see, we got Philly in first in the NFC East. Everyone called that. Uh, North, you got Minnesota with their third-string quarterback. <laughs> the West, you got the Rams. And the South, you got New Orleans. So anyone who says they had that written down at the beginning of the season is either A, psychic and should be buying lottery tickets, or B, a damn liar. <laughs> I'm going to go with liar, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyone that said, oh, man, I was all over the Rams and the Saints. Uh, no. Unless you show me a betting slip from a Vegas casino. Because if you're that good at predicting the future, you ought to be making money off of it. Then I'm not. I'll start breaking down this week's game. I don't know that we're going to get the fantastic – and there have been some great Thursday night games this year. Uh, Rams 49ers was wildly entertaining. Obviously, Raiders Chiefs last week was great going down to the final play. That was actually the final play times four or however many times. There. Oh, that's it. Game's over. Oh, wait, there's a flag. Oh, that's it. Game's over. Oh, wait, there's a flag. It's wild stuff. <laughs> this, week we get, this week we get the Matt Moore-led Miami Dolphins against whatever's left of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, we already mentioned Buck Allen going to see a ton of targets. Uh, what do you make of the Miami passing game with Matt Moore in there, guys like Jarvis Landry? Kenny Stills has been hot the last couple of weeks. Devontae Parker, once he returns. Yeah, I really don't know what to think. Uh, Landry's okay. I mean, Devontae Parker's coming off an injury, but Stills is definitely the big one because they showed great chemistry. I mean, I think it was – he started four or five. Matt Moore started four or five regular season games last year, and Kenny Stills had a touchdown in all of them. And then he blows up for two touchdowns last week. And I, I, you got to say, I mean, Baltimore's D is good. Their secondary is good. But I really kind of like Stills as a wide receiver three flex type this week. But I am nervous. If I'm if I'm a Landry owner, and I'm also very reluctant if if Devontae Parker is in fact active, I'm very reluctant to play him. Yeah, I'm. I usually am pretty skittish about rolling out guys who have been hurt if I have a choice. I mean, there are some times when you just you've got to throw the guy out there because you just don't have anybody else. By week hell, but you might have to. Yeah. But, yeah, with the injuries, and like you mentioned, it's going to be very interesting to see what Stills does. With more in there, given the report that they showed last year, and, I mean, at least you can say this for Matt Moore, and we've seen it when he's had the opportunity for the dog. He is not shy 
about pushing the ball down the field. So that no, could be definitely not. It's not great news for Jarvis Landry, who had really seen to his play really picked up of late, in part because of Parker's injury, and I think in part because Jay Cutler was more or less content just to dink and dunk all day. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, and I I think Jay Ajayi will be okay. I don't know that it really affects it. I don't know that we're gonna see Cutler again. I wouldn't surprise me if Matt Moore goes out there plays better than we've seen Cutler play to this point in the season, and the Dolphins just as I said a month ago when the Dolphins were scoring no points at all. I'm like, why are they not putting Matt Moore out there? I mean, granted, Matt Moore's not a great quarterback, but as a, he's one of the league's better backups, I think. I think he's demonstrated that. So given the way Cutler looked, especially those first two or three weeks, I didn't understand why Adam Gase wasn't like, yeah, roll more out there. He couldn't, he couldn't do worse than what Cutler looked like. So far as the Baltimore offense, if his name's not Gregorius Allen, I ain't touching him. I ain't. That offense is horrible. Yeah, it is ugly. Elite. <laughs> can, can we still call him elite? Elite Joe Flacco looks horrendous this year. And, you know, I like Alex Collins. <laughs> I do. He, he's a good running back, but, I mean, he gets no targets in the passing game. He's not a good linebacker. So you're looking at what what's the upside there? Sixty empty yards? I don't know. Yeah, I the game's in Baltimore and the Ravens still have a good defense, so I wouldn't be stunned if Baltimore wins that game. But if I had to pick it, I'm probably taking Miami and the, the rumbling is gonna get pretty loud in Baltimore pretty quick because if they miss the playoffs this year, that's three straight seasons. It'll be the first time they they hadn't missed the playoffs two straight years before last year, since they moved to Baltimore, they missed the playoffs the first four years they were in Baltimore and then hadn't missed it in back-to-back years since. Well, well, this year will make three straight seasons that they haven't made the playoffs. Like you said, Flacco looks god-awful. They owe him a – I don't know what kind of guarantees are left on his contract, so I don't know how easy it would be for them to get out from under Joe Flacco. But I think that's the question they're going to face in the offseason is what are we going to do at quarterback? Does Joe Flacco – was Joe Flacco ever really that good? He had a phenomenal run in those playoffs when he led the Ravens to the Super Bowl. No one can ever take that away from him. But outside of that four-game stretch, has he ever – he's always played well in the postseason. But as a regular, you've got to get to the playoffs before you can be good in the playoffs. I I don't see it, especially not this year. Nope, you're exactly right. It is ugly. I don't know if it's ugly enough to put Ryan Mallett in, but it is ugly. They need to figure it out. <laughs> that's a whole different level of ugly. Ryan Mallett ugly. Oh, that's last call and you've been drinking tequila all night ugly right there. Exactly. <laughs> Early Sunday morning, if you feel like getting out of bed to watch crappy football, this is a Minnesota Vikings who – Beat the Ravens last week, playing some ugly football. Case Keenum did not look good against the team that is redefining the concept of ugly football, the Cleveland Browns. Before we get into a little fantasy thing, I'm going to rant and rave for just a couple minutes because I need to get this off my chest. I am a proponent of organizational continuity. I do not think it is a good idea for franchises to blow everything up every two or three years 
fire the head coach, fire the general manager, fire everybody, because you get a new regime in, first thing they do is come in, look around, say, okay, these guys won't work. I need my guys. Takes them a couple years to build up, quote, unquote, their guys. Well, by the time they do that and lose along the way, you wind up blowing it all up again, and you just repeat, it's the hamster wheel of losing. So I'm a big fan of once you decide on a coach and a general manager, you have to give those guys some time to try to build something, especially when you're starting from scratch, which is what the Cleveland Browns were doing. I've changed my mind in regards to the Browns. It's fire them all. Fire everybody. Blow it up. Start over again. <laughs> the quarterback the quarterback yo-yo job with Deshaun Kaiser is a joke. A front office that passed on Carson Wentz last year and said he was not even a top 20 prospect and playing like the NFL MVP right now, passed on Deshaun Watson this year. What did we get in return? We got Corey, I'm Hurt Coleman, and Jabril, maybe I can play safety peppers. I don't care how many picks they stockpile. You can stockpile picks until the flipping cows come home. And if you don't have a quarterback, you're not going to win football games in the National Football League. And the Browns don't have anything that even resembles an NFL quarterback. And if one more Browns fan talks to me about Cody Kessler or Kevin Hogan, I'm going to choke them out. <clears throat> because those guys, Kessler might be an okay backup quarterback. That's all he's going to be. I don't want to hear about, yes, Miles Garrett looks like he's going to be a player. He's the number one overall pick he ought to. And there have been a few other draft picks that were well spent. But for the most part, this regime is the same as the one that came before that. And the one that came before that, they suck. And if the Browns ever want to be anything more than a laughing stock, they're going to have to blow the whole thing up again and start over again. And as I look at their schedule the rest of the way, I don't know when they're going to win again. They probably will because some team will underestimate them and come out and play choppy and look terrible like the Chargers did last year, and the Browns will sneak a win and avoid 0-16. So they'll go 1-15 again, yay. Whoopee. I'd almost rather they went 0-16 where you can guarantee you get the number one overall pick. And I know the college quarterbacks right now, most of the guys that we thought were going to be great prospects are having rough seasons. But if the Browns do not spend a high pick on a quarterback next year, I'm driving Cleveland and strangling them because it's – at some point, you have to take a chance on somebody. I don't care. Plenty of people, nobody, in no way was Carson Wentz considered a slam dunk at number two. But the Eagles said, you know what? We think this guy, we think this could be the guy. So we're going to be aggressive. We're going to trade up. We're going to get our guy. The Houston Texans, nobody thought Deshaun Watson was a slam dunk. I thought Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback in this class, but what do I know? He fell all the way to 12. The Houston Texans said, you know what? We think this can be our guy. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to trade up, and we're going to take him. It looks like, granted, it's still pretty early, but over the first five, six starts, it looks like Deshaun Watson is going to be a player in the NFL for the Houston Texans. You can't win without a quarterback. And the Browns, uh, the fan, I feel so bad for the fans because they try to, well, you know, there's been some progress. No, there hasn't. But I understand why they're trying to find some shred of something good to cling to desperately. There's nothing but despair, okay? Just give in. Give up. Just let it envelop you like a blanket. And hope that they fire everyone. 
That's all I, I there's no way I would touch any player for the Browns in fantasy except maybe Duke Johnson. And of course, since he's the only decent offensive player the Browns have, they don't give him the ball because that would make sense. Oh. <laughs> Gary, I uh, have to ask. How, how did that feel? Getting it off your chest. How did it feel? I, I don't feel any better because tomorrow they're still going to suck. A year from now they're still going to suck. Three years from now they're still going to say they're just. Uh, I can see. I've been a Browns fan for a very long time. I'm an older gentleman. I remember the Bernie Kosar Browns. I remember the '80s team. I can remember being good. I remember what that felt. I remember the year of the drive when the AFC Championship game was in Cleveland. The Browns were the number one seed in the conference that year. They went 12 and four. They were a good possible for the Browns to be good. I just don't know if it's ever going to be possible for the Browns to be good with Jimmy Haslam owning the team. Because it all starts at the top. You get an owner who's all meddlesome and has no idea what he's doing. You get an owner who's all meddlesome and he has some semblance of an idea of what he's doing. And it's taken Jerry Jones a while to get there. When he very first bought the team, he kind of kept his hands off, let Jimmy Johnson take care of everything. They won two Super Bowls. And really won a third because the Barry Switzer Super Bowl, they should give Jimmy Johnson that ring. It was his team. I could have coached that team to a Super Bowl. But then Jimmy Johnson leaves. Jerry starts meddling. And the Cowboys go, what, 15, 18 years without making a playoff, without winning a playoff game? But now, over those years, Jerry's figured a couple things out. And the Cowboys have gotten better again. Now, are they going to win another Super Bowl? I don't know. But Jimmy Haslam is like Jerry Jones, only dumber. And it's uh, – <laughs> anyway, Minnesota Minnesota Vikings, which running back – which Vikings running back this weekend, McKinnon or Latavius Murray, who I think it was 18 carries for a buck 13 and a touchdown last week? Yeah, uh, who saw that coming? Because I didn't. Um, no, I'm, I'm still taking – yeah, I'm still taking McKinnon, uh, you know, despite – all the Clevelandness that's going on with the Browns, it's their run defense is pretty good. And Latavius Murray, I could see him getting stuffed and going back to what his line was <clears throat> the two weeks before um, last week. And McKinnon's always going to be the passing downs back. I, I I just feel like he's safer. I feel like it's a a little bit better of a the Baltimore situation where you got Buck Allen and Alex Collins where I'd rather have Murray than Collins and I'd rather have McKinnon than Allen, but give me Allen all I mean, excuse me, give me uh, McKinnon all day in this matchup. If there's one way I think that Murray could you're right, the Cleveland run defense is pretty good. I was looking at some staff earlier. They're giving up I think ninety two yards and change a game on average. If the Vikings can get staked to a lead, if the Vikings can get staked to a lead and wind up grinding it out in the fourth quarter, because they're a team where, you know, Minnesota gets up 10 points, they're probably going to be trying to grind it out. And it looks like the Browns will not have Miles Garrett this weekend. He's in the concussion protocol because Cleveland. Then maybe. But otherwise, generally speaking, I'm inclined to agree with you that McKinnon is probably – the better choice, especially, obviously, if you're playing in the PPR. But, no, I, I don't think anyone – if anyone had Murray in their starting lineup last week, it's because they didn't have any any other choice, which, hey, 
sometimes you throw those desperation guys in a lineup spot and it pans out. And then afterward, you could act like you did it on purpose. Yeah, I totally saw that coming. That's why I started him. No, you started him because he was the only guy you had that was healthy and not on a bike. Exactly. Dude, it's so funny. In a, in a big league I'm in, I literally played a guy, and he was struggling. Had C.J. Procise in the lineup, saw he was kind of injured. Picked up Latavius, beat me by 10. <laughs> oh. I was like, are you kidding um, me? Uh, that's when you're just like, God, what, what, what have I done? What did I do that has made you angry at me and given you cause to want to punish me? Yeah, that's, that's, tell me what it is I did. <laughs> oh, I, I had know. one league. I had one league. I actually wrote this up as the intro for my IDP Nation column at Roto World this week. I have one league where I go into an IDP team. I go into Monday night. His team's done. My team's down like three points. And I've got Jordan Hicks going, the middle linebacker for the Eagles. I get two solo tackles. I'm good which Hicks hasn't been great this year. I had some bye week issues. But I, he's going to get me two spots, two stops, no problem. Second play of the game, pop, goes his Achilles. He hobbles off the field, cart him to the locker room. I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, okay, fine. Lost by three points and change to a team that I think had one win all season long. So, yeah, I feel great about it. Drop me to three and four. <laughs> Sometimes fantasy football <laughs> sucked. I know. <laughs> Derailing Atlanta Falcons, losers, it's three straight at the surprisingly not sucky New York Jets. I mean, I think there's a team that has exceeded – there is not a team in the NFL that has exceeded expectations more than New York Jets, even though they're only three and four, because most people thought that that's three more wins than they'd have at this point in the season. This is – I can't believe I'm asking this question, but it's honestly a pretty legitimate ask at this point right now. Matt Ryan or Josh McCown? That's yeah, how I'm going to take McCown. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm serious. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm taking McCown here. And yeah, I, we talked about it on the QB preview show, and I think most of us were in agreement that there was going to be some regression here and not to overvalue Matt Ryan, but – it's like it could be the offensive coordinator, but it's just not happening right now. And McCown, if he can stay upright, as always, he, he's been pretty competent. But he's thrown, I think, the last four weeks, multiple touchdowns in each game. Yeah, Austin Yeah, it, it's it's just crazy that we're in this world where yeah, I'm I'm definitely taking McCown over Matt Ryan, even though Matt Ryan has Julio Jones. He is Matt Ryan. He's a first-round pick, ex-first-round pick, and he's well, – that was last year's darling. But, no, yeah, uh, give me McCown. I uh, I think he only threw for, I want to say, um, 208 yards last week or something like that against Miami. But, yeah, three passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. I started him in one with bi-week problems, and I just, that might have been the league where I drafted Andrew Luck, and I've been streaming. So, anyway, I looked at the waiver wires, and I'm out there. I'm like, well, okay, Josh McCown it is, I guess, any port in the storm. Miami's defense ain't that good. I looked at the stat line after the I'm like, oh, my goodness, Josh McCown, you magnificent bastard. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be staying on my team now. 
I know. I yeah, that, the, that's been a great um, league. I've started the likes of uh, had Jared Goff out there a couple times because he's been pretty good this year. Jacoby Brissett for a week. McCown. It's going to be – it's just – I shouldn't draft. I knew it. Andrew Luck fell way late in that draft. And I regretted it even before I did it. I'm like, you're going to do this, and he's not going to play at all, and you're going to waste a pick. But I did it anyway because sometimes I just, I don't know, I don't listen to myself because no one listens to me, so I figure, why should I? We all suffered from the luck, the attraction of luck, and I, I paid for it in one league playing Carson Palmer last week. And Well, I mean, you can't predict a broken arm, but and he was just fine. But, yeah, luck, you just have to throw the curve, and if you have to stream, you have to stream. And, hey, McCown's actually pretty decent. But yeah, luck it oh, yeah. luck plays anytime soon. So let the folks listening know that hey, if you have luck, I, I, if you have a decent bench option, just drop them. And Brissett uh, is just killing T. Y. Hilton the last couple of weeks. Either that, or I mean, I haven't really watched a lot of film of the Colts because I don't really want to. But for all I know, opponents are just because. Hilton had a couple of huge games with Brissett at quarterback. For all I know, opponents might just be bracketing Hilton, like triple teaming him constantly and just daring Brissett to throw it to anyone else. But I think T.Y. has got three catches over the last two games combined. Yeah, it, it's not pretty. So people are trying to sell, and uh, I would recommend not buying. Uh, it, it's going to get ugly. I mean, you might have one more boom game. Maybe a few more. I mean, depending on if luck gets back, but who the heck knows? Yeah, I can't imagine that I would be willing to offer enough. If for what I'd be willing to offer for T.Y. Hilton, if the Hilton owner took it, I would feel bad for them. <laughs> I'd be like, wow, you just redefine selling low, bud. Would you would you sell a Terrell Pryor in a Crowell package? <laughs> Oh, yeah. See, and I figured Crowell would be – and see, I didn't even mention Joe Thomas because I just – there's only so much depression yeah. I can take at once. It's That's, uh, a damn shame to see the streak end and everything. But I wish people would stop blowing up, making that streak out to be more than what it is. Yes, he's been very durable. Yes, he's a Hall of Fame left tackle, one of the best left tackles ever to play the game, and it's remarkable that he's been able to stay out there for every snap for as long as he did. And he played through, I think he played through three different MCL sprains, which that's the injury that will sideline a lot of guys. But it's It's, not not really, it's not a testimonial to him any really any more than it's a testimony. He's just been lucky. He was fortunate. I mean, all it takes is one guy rolling over your ankle and your ankle breaks and the streak's over. And we saw how quickly it ended. I mean, and that was not play or, you know, he got rolled up. I mean, he was just playing football, blocking a guy, and a strike up popped. So it happens. I can't tell you how many Achilles tears I've seen where it doesn't look like the, you know, it's not necessarily like an ACL where sometimes you'll see the guy will plant kind of awkwardly and his knee will pop. Sometimes an Achilles just pops. And the guy goes down like he was shot and points at the back of his foot, and that's it. The season's over. So it's, 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 I just 
I hope he's back next year. I would hate to see this be the end of the line for Joe Thomas, especially given, I mean, part of me thinks he should have left Cleveland years ago, honestly, and went somewhere where he had a chance to win, but he didn't, and it's commendable. Might be dumb. He's a loyal dude. Loyal guy. Yes, he is. Carolina Panthers. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do we see Cam Newton bounce back this week? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in on Cam. I uh, just did a daily lineup and stacked him with Kelvin Benjamin. I, I think Cam's going to come back in a big way. I, Tampa Bay's defense just is giving it up right now. And it, I think Cam is going to know that. And I think that Ed Dixon, I didn't mention that, but uh, Ed Dixon is a little banged up, but – That'll be okay. He's still got Funchess, and he's still got uh, McCaffrey, and he's still got Benjamin and the rest of all the weapons he needs. And I, I really do think that this could be like the past two weeks where he's a QB1 again. I would not stray away from him at all. Yeah, I wouldn't. I can't imagine I would either. It's, this is a usual suspect game. I would I'm not – a lot of people are going to have very little choice because there's six teams on a bye. But I would temper expectations for Doug Martin. This, I mean, he's been okay in the few games he's played. Not great. But the Panthers have not been easy to run on this year. And I just I see him having a rough day. Other than that, I figure usual suspects. Obviously, McCaffrey is turning into quite the little PPR option. Standard scoring, he hasn't done necessarily a whole lot. Because the yardage hasn't been great. I think he's only averaging like two and a half yards a carry on the ground. But yep, he's racking 2.5. up some little short catches. And if you get a point for every one of them little short catches, then that's changes the ball game considerably. And I wonder in Tampa if we may have seen a little bit last week the beginning of the changing of the guard a little bit at tight end with Cameron. I mean, Cameron Brate's been great this year, and I think he's still going to get his. But I think we're starting to see O.J. Howard get worked in a little bit more. And I mean, he's beating teams over the top. You can talk about stretching the field. I don't know what O.J. Howard is averaging per reception, but I'm guessing it's pretty gaudy for a tight end. <laughs> yeah, I know God, he had that dude. one. Go ahead. No, you know, all, all I was going to say is it was just so weird watching that game and seeing that. I was like, wow, they're not kicking men. They're actually running them out there, let them run routes. But uh, it, it, it's a tough one. But, yeah, like you said, uh it, he played amazing. You got to talk about the catcher. I, I know what catcher you're talking about, but you got to go and bring that up. But it's tough. I, I still like Brait more this week, though. Oh, me too. I, I and I think it's going to be at least for the foreseeable. But I think maybe you know as we get November into December, toward the end of the season, that we may see it tip more and more toward. High. And we could still see. I think you could see a lot of two tight end looks where you've got Brait as kind of the underneath guy. And Howard is stretching the field. I mean, the, the, he's not catching 10, 11-yard passes. He's 34 yards down the field. That long touchdown he had a few weeks ago, He was that was a, what, 50, 60-yard? Of course, nobody covered him at all. Jameis <laughs> 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 drops back. I'm like, um, is anyone going to cover O.J. Uh, o. Howard's open? <laughs> really? No, they just let like, <laughs> like, you'd stand there and you – Fair catch it and still score a touchdown. San Francisco 49ers at the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, this one should be over quick. 
How good are the Phil? Are the Philadelphia Eagles? I know this isn't really a fantasy question, but obviously you're going to start all your Eagles. You're starting Aguilar. You're starting Alshon Jeffrey. Zach Ertz has been on off the chain, and I think the running backs too. Given that San Francisco has sucked against their last week against Dallas, that was the 2016 49ers run defense. I think Wendell Smallwood and LeGarrette Blount could both get some this week. Are the Philadelphia Eagles the best team in the National Football League? Oh, oh, I didn't see that question coming. Uh, yeah, uh, they're in consideration, but they can't be ignored. I think so. If Kansas City didn't lose to Oakland, then I'd probably disagree. But, yeah, yeah, I think they are. And I agree. I mean, they're <laughs> the poorest running defense, a little preview of my uh, – Friday article on Fantasy Sharks Flex Appeal. Wendell Smallwood is definitely featured in there. <laughs> um, but I I don't see how, you know, you got uh, hell. I mean, Zach Ertz might be the overall tight end one for the rest of the season. I hate to say it, over Gronk, that, that, that's even including him. I think Aguilar, I like him more than Jeffrey at the moment. I mean, he dropped that beautiful pass by Wentz that hit him right in the stomach. I mean, he, he was defended okay, but still there was no – he should have caught that. Uh, Wentz is, a at worst, a top-five QB going forward. I don't even know, and don't even get me started on their defense. I mean, I know they suffered some injuries, but they're a great streaming option this week. Oh, yeah. And the Jordan – of the major injuries they had this past week, I don't think the Jordan Hicks injury hurts them nearly as badly as losing Jason Peters. Obviously, that's a huge yeah. blow. And I think we'll see. They didn't do it in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if long-term we see them kick Lane Johnson over the left tackle and bring in the guy that they brought into Peters' spot and put him at the right tackle. At least that's what I would do, I think. I would rather have Lane Johnson protecting Mike star quarterback's blind side than whoever that other guy. I'm Carson Wentz. You just can't say enough. That yeah, scramble he had. What? Oh my god. <laughs> I don't even how how do you sack the guy? I mean, he is I don't I mean, is he vintage Brett Favre? Is he bad? I don't even know what to think. Like watching that game, it's like this guy is just good. And then when he hit uh Mac Hollins on that perfect yeah. deep bomb at the end of the second quarter, it was just, oh, my, all right, this guy's unreal. Or that little uh, that little corner pass he threw for the touchdown to the running back where he had a guy in his face, and he's pushing the guy off and just flips a, night, a perfectly thrown ball. I guess it was a play that he asked them to install in the offense that was from North Dakota State because he's just very comfortable with it in the red zone. And, hey, if you're scoring touchdowns, then I'll install whatever you want, kid. I don't see any way that he's not that. And granted, there's a lot of seasons still to be played, but I don't see any way that he's not NFL MVP right now. Nope, couldn't agree more. He's the I mean, NFL's most a, valuable player. Yeah, no, I mean, he, it, he just – Washington's not I, – I, I'm biased. I'm, I'm a Washington fan, but Washington's no team to, like, sleep on. And the Cowboys right. are no team to sleep on. And they're just they're, – they're running through everybody right now. I don't see that stopping. If, they just, if the, if the uh, 49ers front win, four. Will... <laughs> uh, oh, the Niners are, The Niners aren't Cleveland bad, but, man, they're in the ball. And 
that run defense is bad as it was last week. Now it looks like Reuben Foster's banged up again. He's got sore ribs. They had Eric Reed, a strong safety, playing inside linebacker because they cut Navarro Bowman loose. And you're going up against an Eagles team that I think is fourth in the NFL in rushing. And that's without – I mean, everyone thought, oh, my God, Darius Sproles is hurt. What are they going to do? They haven't – they've just gotten better. They're just, I mean, they do everything. They run the ball, throw the ball. They're secondary. If there's a weakness, I would say it's their pass defense. And even that, those guys are playing better than you would probably expect. And that defensive line, oh, my goodness, with all those guys, keeping them fresh with Derek Barnett and Brandon Graham and Vinnie Curry and Fletcher Cox and Chris Long, who is uh, just a magnificent human being. Side note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Donating, yeah, donating all 16 game checks, that's, that's boss. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. Awesome. That and that pregame story they had about Carson Wentz. Did you see the pregame story they had about Carson Wentz and the little kid with cancer? Why Carson Wentz wears that wristband, the little green rubber wristband they have on every week? Yeah, man. It's oh my! One of those. That was one of those ones where I was I almost teared up. Me and my wife were we were in bed early because it was because we're old, I guess. But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, I was. I ain't even gonna lie. It got dusty in my room. Yeah. I was like. Damn, sports center making me cry. I know. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I said both. I liked Carson Wentz better than Jared Goff heading into the 2016 draft. It was personal. I, it was close. But I both guys have, okay, much like Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston did in their second seasons, we've seen those top two picks in those two consecutive drafts have taken that step that you want to see from a quarterback in year two of their career. I think a lot of it with Goff has obviously been Sean McVay. Wentz, it's just, I'm just, both teams have got to be – how can you not be happy? I mean, the Eagles paid a lot to move up and take Carson Wentz, but right now it looks like it was worth every penny and then some. And he could be in Cleveland, but no. That's every time I watch him throw a touchdown, I think to myself, he could be the Browns quarterback, and I just want to stab Sashi Brown in the eye with a fountain pen. But I won't because that's illegal, and they would lock me up for it. So I'm not condoning violence against Sashi Brown. Asterisk. <laughs> the, the, the surprisingly, another team that everyone thought would just suck horribly who have been decent this year, Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. We've been running a little short on time, so we'll try to speed things along a little bit. With Mike Thomas dinged up, Ted Ginn, a top 25 receiver this week? I'll buy. Is it, it, I looked in his past three games. You you probably couldn't guess this, but he has caught 100% of his targets. That's wow. it. That's Ted Ginn in his past three games. A hundred percent of the targets thrown his way, he has caught them. I'm buying. <laughs> I'm buying, and especially if he sits. Um, I I don't want anything to do with Snead. I don't know what the hell's going on with that. With the whole suspension, the injury. There, there's something not right there. But I like Ted Ginn, even if Michael Thomas plays. Yeah, I think Ginn has. I don't care if Snead's healthy at this point. I think Ginn has pretty clearly supplanted him as the number two receiver in New Orleans, and it seems to have a nice rapport with Breeze. I read Sean Payton talking the last couple of days. 
about how they're trying to game plan to get Ted Ginn the ball, especially if they can get it to him in space, because although he's been in the NFL, I think this is his 11th season, he runs like a deer. So if you can get him out there, get him behind people, he will make you pay. And with the game in the Superdome, Bears have played pretty good pass defense this year, but Bears have played pretty good defense period this year. But, yeah, I don't see how you can not like Ginn. I'm curious to see how many passes the Bears attempt this week. I'm guessing it will be more than seven. But I, could, I looked at that stat line. I thought it was busted. I, I did. I had yep. to refresh the page. I'm like, is that not – did they stop recording the stats for four or seven? That can't be right. And then I doubled – I go to NFL.com and check it. And I'm like, oh, my God, he only attempted seven passes in a game, and they won. Yeah, they're not going to be able well, to do that this week. <laughs> oh, this one should be a – Something. Los Angeles Chargers at the suddenly resurgent New England Patriots. Everyone's saying, I don't know that I buy that their defense is quote unquote fixed coming off that one game against Atlanta. I think the performance may have been as much about Atlanta's offensive troubles as it was the Patriots fixing their defensive problems. But still, they look pretty good. I'm trying to. This is another one that to me just feels like, is there anyone who really stands out to you in this game? Who's a guy that you wouldn't normally just start anywhere? Or does it seem like, you know, you're going to have Keenan Allen, Chris Hogan, all those guys in there? Yeah, no, I, uh, I actually, um, like on Friday morning, Flex Appeal, when it comes out, I think Tyrell Williams is a sleeper this week just because I looked at it week <clears throat> four when, when the Chargers faced. I know he's been a bust, but when the Chargers uh, faced the Eagles in week four and they were down and he ended up blowing up, five for 115 and a touchdown. I could see a week like that. I mean, I'm, he's, he's boomer bust. He's as boom, as, <clears throat> boomer bust as it gets. But I really do think if he booms, he's going to boom. So just keep an eye on him. Oakland Raiders at the Buffalo Bills coming off the big win over the Kansas City Chiefs, a game in which Amari Cooper went completely ballistic <laughs> on a lot of fantasy benches, which the oh, – I'm glad I didn't have any shares of Amari Cooper because it's the only thing worse than going up against a team that had Amari Cooper blow up for 47 fantasy points are all the people who had benched him because he had done nothing for like three straight games before the however many catches for 200 and whatever yards and 18 touchdowns or whatever. Does he keep that going this week, Cooper, Amari Cooper, or Michael Crabtree? It's always Crabtree. Crabtree scored um, at the he had the game winning touchdown and he should have probably had another one but he had the OPI uh, actually I think Amari Cooper's first I mean he would have had a big game anyway his first touchdown was blatant push off to me I mean it's up for discussion but I would sell high if I could on Amari Cooper but Crabtree all day every every game it's always Crabtree. I agree 110% on sell high. That is the kind of those, those kind of freak, gigantic, weak winning performances are the poster child for selling high. That's what you want. That is the the opportunity is not going to get any better unless maybe yep. now if Cooper could come out if Cooper could come out and just give you like six for 95 in a score this week. Sell high. Then you've got the two. Then you've even got the. He backed up the huge game with another decent performance. 
the value is going to be as high as it's ever going to get. Get rid of him while you still can, because I would not in the fantasy playoffs want to put Amari Cooper in my starting lineup and have to count on him to produce, because that's when he's going to come out and put up 322, no score, and you're going to get a bounce. So you've been yep. warned. Look for the team. Yep, yeah, I know. And look for the team that has Hopkins or like somebody. I don't know, somebody just coming off a of bye week. Anybody, like, just look for anybody and just offer them straight up or just package them and get a stud like A.J. Green that's already had their bye week. Ugh. Absolutely. Speaking of A.J. Green, Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals. A little bit of drama in the Queen City this weekend, this week with Joe Mixon complaining about his touches and Marvin Lewis smacking him around a little bit in the media. What kind of week you think Mixon's in for against a Colts run defense that has been bad? Yeah, I think I think he's going to be fine, but I, I still don't think it's going to be what maybe people are expecting it to be. I think he's a fine RB two. I don't think he's going to have some blow up, you know, 150 yard two touchdown game. Uh, they're still going to keep Geo and Jeremy Hill involved, so expectations should be tempered there. But he is going to be better. Then what, what do you have, seven rushes for 68 yards last week? It was something absurd, and then they really didn't give to him and A.J. Green, I think, didn't touch the ball in the second half. But uh, Marvin Lewis isn't the kind of coach to take kind of that kind of talk. Oh, Marvin Lewis is a dope. His explanation for why they didn't get Mexican <laughs> care. Well, you know, we were down in the second half, and then, you were down, what, nine? Because the, Pitts, the Steelers did not score a touchdown in – the second half. It was all field goals. And I think they went into the half down. Oh, let's see. They lost by 15. I think they were down six because I think the Steelers kicked three field goals yeah. in the second half. So you're down six at the half. Then you're down nine. Then you're down. I mean, even if at the beginning of the fourth quarter you're down 12, you still got time to run the ball, especially when you're playing against Pittsburgh, who come into the game with the number one, number two pass defense in the league. That's just. Dumb. No, give it to Andy Dalton. Let him throw for 140 yards and get picked off twice. Let me know how that works out for you. Almost. <laughs> it's going to be curious to see how ticked off Marvin Lewis really was about mixing publicly griping because I almost wonder if we might see more of Jeremy Hill this week than we might otherwise have. And whoever, I mean, if there's one back that gets a significant touch load this week, they should be able to put up some numbers against because the Colts suck. Really bad. Oh, man. Super sleeper alert. Jimmy Hill, back from the dead. I like the call. <laughs> it's, it's possible. I'm not – I wouldn't want to have to count on it, but if you're one of the – if it's bi-week desperation time and you're looking at just an awful list of guys, wondering who, maybe if he's – if he wants to send a message to the rookie. He would use be the, the coach to do it. Houston Texans, Seattle Seahawks, big test this week for Deshaun Watson. Does he struggle a little bit playing in the Pacific Northwest? I think he does. I think this is probably the biggest story of the week, actually, is how Deshaun Watson adapts to going to Seattle and in that atmosphere and how he performs. But I still consider him a low-end QB1. I know a lot of people – or just throwing him out the window just because of this matchup. But 
Uh, the kid has shown some promise. You can't put that aside. And I, I like what I've seen. I'm curious. Like I said, this is the number one thing I'm looking for this week. I'm still starting him. Oh, I was thinking because if there's one thing he's definitely shown is that he's not he's not going to shy away from challenging the Seattle pass defense, even if it means he throws an interception. He's not going to shy away from throwing the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, even if he's covered by Richard Sherman. So that's one thing I like about Watson that he's demonstrated from day one is he's not backing down from a challenge. He don't care who it is. And if he throws a pick, he'll come out and challenge that the guy who just picked him off again the next play. And that's what you need in the NFL. you got to have a short memory and no conscience whatsoever. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys, Washington Redskins. In a battle of NFC East teams, this is kind of a must-win game for these two teams. The one that loses could fall way off the pace, considering that I expect that the Eagles will handle the San Francisco 49ers fairly easily. Since you're a Redskins fan, I would like to get your feelings on this. I believe the Cowboys are like sixth or seventh in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. But Josh Doxson as a sleeper. He's definitely a sleeper, but uh, something I looked at today is, uh, you know, he started obviously over Pryor, but in the last half of the game, Actually, Pryor outsnapped him by two snaps. Just just some food for thought, but I think he's definitely a deep sleeper in the bye week hell. I Kirk Cousins spreads the ball around. I really don't like any of the receivers, unless your name's Chris Thompson, who's a running back, but or your name's Jordan Reed or Vernon Davis, for heaven's sakes. I I really don't like any of them, but Josh Josh Doxon would probably be my best bet on a wide receiver. For the, our team. Oh, as a Jordan Reed fantasy owner, I was hallelujah. when he, I'm like, oh my God, it's a Jordan Reed signing. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm dancing <laughs> around because I needed them points on Monday night. And I was which I got him at a nice was. discount. Got him at a nice discount in most of the leagues. I drafted him in because of the injuries and everything. But man, it's been slow. And then the game starts out and he hits re, uh, Vernon Davis for that long one. And I'm like, oh my. God, here we go again, two for 21 or something, then he gets two second-half touchdowns. <laughs> so tasty. Sunday night game, the surging Pittsburgh Steelers against a Detroit Lions, another team much like Atlanta and the <clears throat> NFC East teams that needs a win. They stumbled a bit of late. Looks like Golden Tate's going to be out. What do you make of Marvin Jones in this one? Yeah, he he's okay. I mean, he's more towards the flex line for me. I mean, in bye week hell, sure, he's a wide receiver too, but it's the Pittsburgh pass D has been pretty decent, um, but he could be a target hog. So, I mean, if you got him, you're probably playing him, but just temper expectations. Yeah, I'm, that whole line's offense honestly makes me nervous in this one, whether it's Stafford or – I don't know that I expect Amir Abdullah to have much success running the ball, bracket margin. I don't know what to do with Abdullah. It's, it's, sometimes he's so impressive and it's just frustrating. 
and then it's hard, kind of hard to get excited about Roethlisberger at this point in the season, too, because, I mean, the Steelers are winning, but they're not winning. Antonio Brown's still getting his, if only because he's catching a very large share of what passing yards Roethlisberger is getting. But, you know, he's throwing for, what, maybe 200 yards because they're handing it to Le'Veon. Now I don't think they can keep using Le'Veon Bell like they have the last couple of weeks. If they did, he's, his legs are going to fall off. You can't give a running back 35 touches a game every game. But Yeah, 30, 30 plus 30 touches in three or four games. That, that's a bit crazy, but it, he is Le'Veon Bell, so I've seen crazier things. Yeah. They got him on that one-year deal. Maybe they figure out, oh, we'll get our franchise tag more. We'll run his legs off, and then bye. They'll be the James Conner show next year. That's something for the – Three you levy on Bell Dynasty owners to make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I don't know that it would surprise <laughs> me. I, I really don't. No. Yeah, you no, know, the Steelers are worried me. about winning football games now, and they don't have any investment in levy on Bell Pass this year. The reeling final game, the reeling Denver Broncos against a Kansas City Chiefs team that's probably pretty ticked off about how that game in Oakland ended. In Arrowhead, could get ugly for the Broncos, who have buku problems at the quarterback position. We'll go with two questions to close the show out. Question number one, do we get a little bit better outing out of Demarius Thomas this week against the Chiefs team that I believe is first in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers? Oh, heck yeah. I I mean – Last week you saw the worst of the worst, and what people don't see on the stat line is, uh, or the stat sheet, he had the 81-yard reception called back. So, I mean that that changes his whole his whole stats. Like, I mean that he's still he the week before he was 10 for 133. Demarius Thomas is going to be a target hog against Kansas City. These are two pissed off teams. So I'm I'm actually I'm this has sleeper shooter shootout appeal to me. Final question of week eight. Broncos have some issues at the most important position in football. Who should Denver's starting quarterback be? <laughs> Gosh. Well Paxton Lynch uh is practicing this week. Um it, you got to go to Simeon this week, but I hate to say it. If he struggles again against Kansas City, you got to look at Osweiler. Uh, oh, gosh, I just threw it in my mouth. Oh, oh I know. Man. I don't. I've been inclined to agree with you. I just, Simeon looked <laughs> awful against the Chargers, and obviously, if they had any confidence whatsoever that Paxton Lynch was ready to play, he'd be in there. I know. So they've I mean, they've got nothing. So, I mean, at that point, I know no one's going to sign Colin Kaepernick right now, but especially after the lawsuit, the collusion. No, it's not a lawsuit. It's a grievance, I guess, against the NFL. But I'm watching because yeah. my better half is a uh, Denver fan. I mean, she's just seething last week as she's watching that game. And I looked at her, and I'm like, I don't see how Colin Kaepernick could possibly be worse than what the Broncos are trotting out there right now. No, I agree. But if I were them, if I was Elway, I'd be on the phone with Tony Romo three times a day. 
<laughs> yeah, I know he said that he's dedicated to the whole broadcasting thing, but like you said, you just call him three times a day so you can't wear him down. Are you sure you don't want to play football? I'll give you $12 million, <laughs> then you call him in an hour. I'll give you $13 million, then you call him in 45 minutes. I'll give you $14 million. Eventually he's going to say yes. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, I half wondered when Aaron Rodgers went down, and I figured – See, I don't know if Romo didn't take that, and I'm there's no proof that the Green Bay Packers reached out to Tony Romo, but I gotta think they did. I mean, that's yeah. There's your there's your silver platter chance to make a playoff run if you did want to come back and make one playoff run. It's not going to get better than Green Bay, and <clears throat> with Brett Hundley under center, I don't. I see the Minnesota Vikings look like the best team in that division with Case flipping Keenum at quarterback. Yeah, that's know. when you know the world is ending. Jeez. Yes. <laughs> As the playoff bracket this year on the AFC side looks like we're just going to be staring at it like, wait, what? That can't be right. And this, and one of those, I don't. Yeah. There isn't this. There certainly isn't a team this year that I. Granted, the Eagles only have one loss, but I don't know that I'm ready to anoint them as a dominant team, a team that is head and shoulders better than everybody else. I don't think we have that team in the NFL this year. I don't think there's a team, any team that I can call right now, I can look at and say that team is going to Minneapolis. I just don't see it, including New England, yep. because their defensive problem. I do not believe that their defensive problems just evaporated with one performance against the Atlanta Valley. I'm going to need to see some consistency on defensive side of the ball. And, you know, they might – I expect they'll win fairly convincingly this week against the Chargers. West Coast team traveling east for a 1 o'clock start, blah, blah, blah. I need to see the Patriots maybe maybe on the road against a, a quality opponent, and if they can play defense like that again. And, and plus, Dante Hightower got hurt again, so – I know. I was just looking at it, and Danny Amendola didn't practice today either, so add that to the injury list. Stephen Gilmore. It's going to be, it's going to be a very interesting weekend. It's going to be an interesting – the whole rest of the season is going to be interesting. And it could set up a playoff that is – and I love it. You know, I'd rather go into the playoffs with having no idea who the Super Bowl representatives are going to be and – weird teams with the top seeds and maybe a Super Bowl with a couple teams that we haven't seen in that game. You know, like a Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl would be great to me. Some fresh blood. That would be awesome. And those are probably, if I had to pick two top teams, that's who I'd pick. So, <laughs> as of now, that is, as of now. Well, I, I would suppose that the top two contenders for MVP right now are probably Carson Wentz and Alex Smith. <laughs> Once again, everybody had that called for the season. Alex Smith, that'll do it for the, the QB one, the game manager. Yeah, the game manager. <laughs> That's right. The only thing that makes me nervous about the Chiefs is I keep waiting for the Andy Reid school of clock management to kick in in a big game and come back to you know where he burns all three timeouts in the span of like four minutes in the first quarter. <laughs> and then doesn't have them for the two-minute drill. Or make some challenge. You're just like, what are you doing? Well, maybe God's out of the system in Philadelphia. 
Dude, well, either that or it's going to happen this Monday night against Denver. Who who the hell knows? Gosh, Alex Smith. One more yeah. quick one before we wrap it up. Got the probably the two best teams in this division are on a bye this week. I'm going to get your take. We're seven weeks in, getting ready to start week eight. Who's going to win the AFC South? Oh, that is tough. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm kind of ambivalent on this one. But you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go with Texans. I, I really have a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson. I was thinking the Jaguars. I know that sounds weird, too, but the, their defense has just been impeccable. I don't believe in the Titans whatsoever. But I'm going to go ahead and say the Texans. What about you? I think it's going to come down to Houston or Tennessee, and I did because of the quarterbacks. I love what Jacksonville's defense. Two games in the same season with 10 sacks. I think it's the first time that's happened since 1982, so 35 years. Calais Campbell ain't even halfway into his first season in Jacksonville. He's already set a career high in sacks, got his first 10-sack season, so so much for making the change to 4-3 defensive end being a problem for him. Seems to be adjusting okay, but I just – they're going to need Blake Bortles to make a play at some point, and I just don't think he can do it. So I would probably – I'd probably be inclined to agree with you. I could, I'm i a little – I believe a little more in Tennessee than you do, but I Deshaun Watson and Houston's got Lamar Miller, DeAndre Hopkins, and they've shown more balance. The defense, even without Watt and Whitney Merciless, is still playing at a pretty high level. And I think it's going to be another year where if you can win 10 games, the division's going to be yours, if only because of those three teams, Jacksonville, Houston, and Tennessee – are going to kind of cannibalize one another, I think. So I think that's probably going to be the three. Well, that would probably once again be the four seed in the AFC, I would guess. I think the other three division winners will probably all have better records than the South winner. So they'll get one home game, but that'll be it. That does it for the Week 8 edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. Mr. Black, I would like to thank you for joining me this evening. Always a pleasure, Gary. Thanks for having me, and good luck to everyone. Bye, week hell. Yeah, we will see you folks next week for another 16 bye because why not?